Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Lord. Such a great reminder. God is faithful. Some really excellent, excellent lines in that uh, song. Faithful, you have been. Faithful, you will be. And that, if it doesn't give you a reason to praise him, it definitely does me. Because God has been faithful. And he always will be. That's something that we can count on. And church, I've been talking to you about really the purpose of why we're here and what it's all about to be part of a church and to worship a, a God who has created us. And we've considered many things about being part of a local church, being connected to one another. And I hope I've been coming through. I hope I have uh, because I don't, well, thank you. This is not a trivial matter, the idea of the local church. It's very important. The church is vital to life in the kingdom of God. It's vital to life as a Christian. The local church is a sanctuary from the world. It's where we come to get encouraged and renewed. It's under the headship and the leadership of Jesus Christ. That is something we should never, ever, ever take for granted or belittle. This is the place he's leading, the place where we come to be equipped and to be encouraged and to be strengthened, uh, that we can go out in the world and live the mission, the mission that we're here for, and to continue to have an attitude of the heart of sharing the life-giving, death-to-life message of the gospel of Jesus Christ his love and his grace and his mercy. Uh, That's all part of the mission and the operation of what we call the local church, which is essential to life as a Christian. And in it all, there are ministries, ministries here of prayers and support and leadership and, and instruction, counsel for life. I mean, this is part of the reason we're here That's vital to life. And the blessings of being connected and part of a local church are immense. But Christian life also includes obedience and commitment and responsibility. And today, I'm going to address one of those facets of life, responsibility. The Word of God calls us to be responsible in life. In Every aspect. As spouses, we're called to be responsible to love and to respect our spouse. As parents, we are responsible to train up our children in the way that they should go. As children, we are responsible to honor our mother and our father. If we're workers, we're supposed to be responsible to those who are over us, and to be honest in all of our working. As citizens, we are to submit to the authority of, this, uh, of the government, whether we like it or not. And I know we could talk about that. Could be a whole, that could be a lot of services, but uh, we're not going to go there. But uh, suffice it to say that the Word of God does call us to be responsible to submit to the authority over us. And we're supposed to be responsible in all of our dealings with others, to maintain integrity, to pay our bills, to keep our promises. These are the many responsibilities of being Christians. And this morning, we are going to consider the responsibility of supporting the local church. Now, yes, you're, I'm sure it's a, you're, the gears are going and you're saying, well, that has to do with money. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And money, I know it's a very personal subject, and it's very sensitive sometimes to talk about money. And if you're visiting with us today, I do want to say, we do not often devote 
a sermon or a message on Sunday morning to giving and uh, all about money. We do not preach a prosperity gospel. Listen, I'm not going to ask you for a $1,000 seed faith check this morning. That's not going to happen. We, we don't subscribe to that. We do not believe God works that way, that if you give him a dollar, he gives you two back. But God does bless. We believe that. I believe he blesses genuine sincerity of the heart and genuine generosity. And it's all part of an act of worship our entire life in the giving of ourselves, in, the, in uh, being generous with using the talents God has bestowed upon us and also in the sharing of our resources And I believe God's word does direct us to primarily support the place where we're being fed and where we're being cared for spiritually, where we worship, where we receive the sacraments like water baptism and the Lord's Supper and where the gospel is preached and the word of God is taught. I mean, that's the local church and it requires our combined financial support, which enables many Many ministries, ministries for children and parents and families and marriages and singles and widows and widowers and for what we heard earlier, people who are caring for an ailing parent, for those going through a divorce, for those who've lost a loved one. Of all these ministries, and we have prayer ministries and teaching ministries and uh, worship services throughout the week and outreach to lost souls. Very, very. Okay, I'm back. Um, You know what we heard too? We've we've got a fantastic Christian school. Over 500 students every day. I mean, these are wonderful ministries of the church, and they all need they all need the physical. We have great spiritual things happening, spiritual ministries, but they all need physical accommodations, buildings, grounds. All these physical things require attention, stewardship. To keep it up requires dollars. You know, no one's coming to my house to pay my bills. I have to be responsible for that to pay the bills. But in this house, we share that financial responsibility together as a household, as a family. We have a shared responsibility for this house. And let's talk about that responsibility. We have a beautiful, wonderful facility. And the leaders here, as leaders, we take that responsibility of caring for the buildings and the grounds very seriously. The needs uh, are immense. The building has needs, the ground has needs, and our desire is to be the best possible stewards of what God has entrusted us with. And we have to make decisions, financial decisions to balance it all uh, and to balance what we aim to accomplish in the ministries with the needs of the physical place. Now, as much as we plan to plan and we budget and we try to expect the unexpected. The unexpected does happen. For instance, a couple years ago, our roofs were really leaking bad. We had to take care of it. We did. Uh, Right now, uh, we're looking at some heating and cooling units. We have 79 units on the roofs of these buildings. And several of them are newer. There's a number that are about 18 years old. And then there's a good number that are about 30 years old. They're original. They're... uh, Actually, yeah, just about 30 years old now. About 50 of those units. We, we have seven of them that need help right now. We have to deal with them. That's going to be to the tune of about $100,000. And we're going to do it because we have to. And a bill that large is going to impact how we balance the physical need and the mission and the ministries. But we're going to do it. And we're... Uh, going to remain faithful as we make that balancing happen. We're going to remain faithful to our stewardship responsibility because we want to invite people to a, a nice place where the roof doesn't leak and it's, and it's warm on a cold day. 
When it's cold and damp, it's nice to come into a place that doesn't leak and is warm. And when it's blistering hot, that we have a cool place. Absolutely, we all want to invite someone to that place, right? We couldn't have that warm room or that cool room when we need it without funding. That's a must. And the basic way the Bible speaks about our responsibility, it's it's proportional. It's a percentage. That's the principle the Bible presents, proportional giving. And the the principle the Bible presents is a tenth, a a percentage, 10%. It's called a tithe. And it's not a fixed amount. Because that way it's... Across the board, the same for everyone in terms of the proportion. The Old Testament speaks about tithing, a tithe for the Levites, a tithe for uh, the poor, a tithe for the, f- the feast days in the temple. And uh, Abraham, he tithed to Melchizedek. In the New Testament, Jesus spoke about tithing too. He talked to the Pharisees about it. And let me read that to you. This is in Matthew chapter 23. It's verse 23. It reads this way, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. See, Jesus confronted these Pharisees. He condemned them for their hypocritical tithing because they were neglecting compassion. Jesus said to these hypocrites, in fact, you should tithe, but don't do it disingenuously. Have a heart and an attitude that's right. Jesus recognized the importance of tithing, and we should too. It's proportional. It's not a fixed amount that uh, is going to be nothing for somebody, but everything to someone else. It's a percentage, a proportion. In the New Testament, Paul presented the opportunity to give, he was going to receive an offering, and he said, let's make it proportional. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, at the close of the letter, he said, I'm going to be receiving an offering, and he wrote, set aside an amount in keeping with your income. In other words, you know, a, a proportion. I'm not asking you for something beyond your means. And that's biblical. That's That's the idea, that's the example, the example throughout scriptures, the the 10th. Paul wanted the church, though, to do it with the right heart, just like Jesus did. In his second letter to the Corinthians, he mentioned it again, this, this offering, and he encouraged the right heart and the right attitude when it comes to giving. And I want to read this to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is verses 6 to 8. Paul wrote, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. But God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, Paul said, don't. Don't give reluctantly. Don't do it under compulsion if you're being forced to do it because God knows your heart. He loves a cheerful giver. And he's able to bless you abundantly. Can't outgive God. Can't do it. He'll, he's able to bless us abundantly in all kinds of ways. And when you learn this, when it becomes real to you and you apply it, the blessings of God follow and multiply. I can testify to that. And many of you already know that. You live it. You have embraced this responsibility to support God's house and God's mission, and you're committed to this idea of tithing, and you can give testimonies about it. And there's someone in the house this morning that has a testimony, and it's a great, great giving testimony. His name's Joe Schaller. Now, last year, his life began to change through a variety of circumstances, and he just reached out to God's word, and it pierced his heart. And Joe uh, saw Jesus, and Jesus became real to him. And, and Joe repented, and he wanted to be baptized. He and his wife, Rochelle, they discovered Bethesda back in October, and they've been here ever since. He, he said, you know, when I came in this place, there, there was something different. 
And he would, he would just cry, he said, because he felt this presence. And he shared his story with us on video, and we didn't have time to put it all together yet, but I wanted to share this little snippet he talked about uh, how giving came into his life. So this is Joe Schaller. didn't even know what tithing was. I didn't know about giving to the church, and I didn't know the responsibility of that. I started learning that in the Bible. So the first day I started attending the church, I knew this, this is going to be my home, that I wanted to help out. I wanted them to reach people like people reached me so I can change. So I started giving my tithe. And within the month, the same amount from the tithe I, I was given, we received a check for the exact amount, the exact amount from a bill I have overpaid nine years ago. Who would have thought that they would catch that nine years later and be like, here's the same amount for the, for the, the tithe you've been given. And I, I knew that was a miracle. There is no such thing as that exact coincidence. I, I knew God is with me and God's in my life. beautiful we we heard that as joe came uh, to talk to us and you know what he looked at giving as a privilege you know to advance the gospel of jesus you know it was a way to put divine things to the natural you know it was to bring voice to this brick and this mortar and a way to say okay i can proclaim the word of god through this. And you know, that's not temporal. That is lasting. And that is an eternal proposition. You know, God gave Joe this blessing, right? It was a sign. Here, he didn't even know what this thing was, this tithing. And he said, well, I'm just going to do it. And then a check shows up for the exact amount, precisely. Now, does that happen every single time? No, it doesn't. If it did, I don't know. Many of us probably wouldn't be here. We would just be writing checks to God, and you know, our bank account would be getting bigger. But there's blessings that are, that are beyond this financial. There's blessings all over. Uh, for example, Joe's wife, Rochelle, was in U of M Hospital on Monday for a pretty serious surgery. And uh, I called him, and I left a message I didn't get through. He called me back and left a beautiful message. He said she did great. And uh, he said the doctors were very impressed. She's a good patient. And he said she was speed walking down the hall on Wednesday. And Rochelle's here this morning. I see her right over here. And uh, it's, now there's a beautiful, now there's a just, God can bless us abundantly. And uh, his story, it reminds me of our story when, you know, when we got it, doesn't it? When we started, when we embraced this idea of tithing, we're just in our late 20s. I remember the day that you came home from work almost 30 years ago and said, Julie, I want to start tithing. And I said, what? Supportive wife that I am. And I said, we can't afford to tithe. And then you insisted, you insisted, well, God's word says that we should tithe. And I could not negotiate with you. That was probably the one time there was no negotiation. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sad but true, right? And I tried to tell you, well, okay, if we're going to do that, then we should uh, only tithe on our net. And you said, no, we're going to tithe on our gross because we are going to give God our first. Right, right. That was a pretty big deal. I remember it very clearly. It was four $20 bills. And I was getting paid every two weeks. And that was, that was my tithe for the, for, for the paycheck. I remember putting those in the envelope and just let them go, saying, you know, this is, it's the Lord's now. You also had told me, you said, Julie, God says 
We can test him in this. And I just, that was almost 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, was, I was learning these things and said, okay, well, let's do this. And then an amazing thing happened. That was a Sunday, right? It was Sunday. And on Monday, when I went into work, I got hauled into the boss's office. The owner of the company sit me down. Oh, what do I, I didn't know. I'd, I'd been there a few years. And uh, lo and behold, he presented me with a bonus. Yeah, it was 500 bucks, which was huge. That was, that it was, was huge. huge. He came home, and of course, when, you know, that wasn't the day we were constantly connected by cell phones, and he walked in the door. Yeah, I couldn't text and tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but probably good, because then you would have missed my jumping up and down. <laughs> but he came in the door, and he says, you will never believe what happened today. And when he told me, immediately I knew, oh, this is God. This is because you tithed. And it was a sign to us, really. And again, didn't happen every week. No. But God blessed us in so many, so many ways. Because then we had, uh, we had a daughter. We, were, we have one on the way. And uh, yeah, things were tight. We were. And I was you, staying. You would home balance long. the checkbook to the penny because. It was okay. We're going to write this check, and then it'll clear on Friday. Yeah, we were, we were living pretty tight. But God just kept blessing us. And, just, and they weren't just, you know, like money falling from the sky or anything like that. <laughs> but it was in ways where we knew that he was mindful and that he was providing for us, and he knew our needs. I would actually mention, oh, we need whatever it was. And I would... That you Literally. needed a cabinet or dressers, yeah. yeah. And I would find it in the garbage at the row. You've all heard my garbage picking stories, I know. But I would find exactly what I said we needed right at someone's curb. Uh, one night I went for a walk, yeah. and I had just told him, oh, we need to get Heather a piano because she started uh, taking lessons. And so I... Uh, met a lady who was throwing out some trash, and she says, so, is there anything you need? Because I was kind of looking at her trash. <laughs> and she says, as, she says, I have more things in the house if you want. <laughs> I was with the front. And I said, well, I actually need a piano. No, I was joking because I didn't really think she had a piano to give me. And she says, oh, I have a piano in the basement. Oh, yeah. You can have yeah. it if you get someone to... So that's it. she comes home and says, hey, got a piano. Go down the street. Yeah. yeah I was out, on her, out on her walk. She purposely walked the night the garbage went out. But things like that were always happening. And it, it really helped us out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right when we needed it. Yeah, I... Uh, I attribute it to tithing when I would go to a store and need something and, and find it on the clearance rack for pennies. Or if I uh, get the, the first parking spot, I'd say, oh, that's a tithing blessing. She was like a broken record, <laughs> yeah. really. I, I mean, she'd be like, saying, tithing blessing, tithing, tithing blessing. Just constantly. I was like, yeah, right on. And let me tell you, she was, Julie was very um, numbers-oriented. She had worked for her dad and helped him keep his books. She kept the, our books, kept the, the checkbook. But after, you know, after we started giving, I noticed there was no more balance in the checkbook. I said, what happened to balancing the checkbook? Yeah, what happened? I just relaxed. <laughs> She's like, oh, the Lord's got this. <laughs> Serious. I don't advise not balancing the checkbook. <laughs> Seemed to work, though. But I just had peace knowing that God was providing for us. We uh, needed some work done to our house, and it was going to be a really expensive job. And what happened? Hailstorm. Hailstorm destroyed the aluminum siding. Now, it needed it. It was all, it, you remember those houses with the aluminum siding, and it would bleed like chalk down the, yeah, it was the upper floor. And, Said, oh, yeah, we're going to have to deal with this. Yeah, the Lord blew in some hail. And uh, yeah, so I called the insurance you, company. Yeah. A foreclosure dropped into our lap. That was 28 years ago. Yeah. And 
it, it was an amazing, amazing situation. And because we got that foreclosure, God used that to provide for us for years. Yeah, years. helped us out a lot. Prepared that, us for the we ministry. Didn't, we, we didn't, didn't know even anything. know anything. <laughs> we weren't uh, real estate tycoons or anything. That was just a phone call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You're very, she's a great negotiator, even though that one time, that one time I couldn't negotiate. I, one day I said, oh, we, we, we really need a car, and um, Pat was looking through some ads, and I said, you know what, just stop looking through those ads. God's going to provide. And then out of the blue, we received a phone call very shortly after. Someone who was getting rid of a car says, you know, the Lord really put it on our heart to give you our car because our daughter, and they said, well, we know that both your daughters are, are driving now. And we thought, well, maybe you would need it for a, a car for them. But I actually yeah. drove that car for so years. <laughs> for, for the big and the small, and I'll, I'll just give you this one more. I was walking through the church one day and someone stopped me. And this was a good number of years ago. And asked me a strange question, what size shoes do you wear? I told him my size and my shoes. And the next week, I had a brand new pair of shoes, and I had said to Julie, I had earlier had said to her, you know, I really, I've been just yeah. too busy, and I hadn't, I needed shoes, and this person said, you know, the Lord put it on my heart to buy it you. It was right after that. I remember we were yeah. driving to the office, they and he had said that. Fit like a glove, a brand I never had purchased before. Now I buy them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God's good. God's good, right? Yeah. He. All right, now. You got this. You got this, right? All right. Go, okay. go, go relax. She's got it. <laughs> My faith and trust in God's power and his provision. Just, I just really learned that through tithing. And he was always, always showing us. He provides our needs. When we seek him first, he is faithful. And he knows our needs. He wants to be glorified in our lives. Dear church, there is freedom and blessing in being obedient to God's word. And today, when someone tells me that they can't afford to tithe, I say, no, you can't afford not to tithe. And I am saying this not because I'm st on staff here. I've been saying this for many, many years. I'm saying this out of love for them because I don't want anyone to miss out on the blessings of God. And I know if I've had that conversation with you, you know. We can't afford not to tithe. He's faithful, he's good, and he is able to care for us. Scripture shows us over and over, we can't outgive God. And I just have to ask you today, do you know that? Do you believe that? And do you live that? I know many in this place today have experienced the true joy of tithing. Many could be up here giving a testimony. If we trust him to save our souls and give us eternal life, think about that. Why wouldn't we trust him in our finances? Because that's temporary, that's here. We're trusting him with our eternal soul and we're counting on him saving our soul. God wants to use all of us to carry out the mission of the church. We need to reach the lost. We need to disciple the found. And it is going to take all of us doing our part because you know what that is the way that god has designed it and if we present ourselves as a member of the church and we want to receive all the blessings of the church then ask yourselves what should we be doing we should be doing our part it's not right to have some faithful givers support everyone else who doesn't want to. God knows when we hold back. And as we share today, he is able to bless us. But you know, his word is very clear. 
He is able to hold back blessing from us too. And you don't know what you're missing. His blessings don't only come through financial ways. His blessings come in many, many other ways. I'm reminded of two stories in Scripture that show us God is very aware of everything, everything that crosses our hands. The first story I want to look at is really a sad story, and this is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. The setting for their story takes place in the timeline of the early Christian church. This was a time in the church where believers had all things in common. People freely shared what they had so that no one would be in need. Please read with me Acts 5, 1 through 11. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Well, that is quite a story. At first glance, we may wonder, what did this couple initially do so wrong? The scripture said they sold their property. From the proceeds, they kept back some for themselves, and they laid the rest at the apostles' feet. We may ask, well, what's so wrong with that? If we sold property, kept some for ourselves, and gave the rest to the church, I want to tell you, the church would be quite pleased about that, and God too. (laughs) But Peter rebuked them, saying Satan filled their hearts, and they lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to understand when this occurred, the action of laying the money at the apostles' feet was in action, telling God in the church, I sold property, and here is the entire proceeds of the sale. Use this for the common good of the church. You can read more about this in Acts chapter 4. They didn't have to do this. People had the right to own personal property. It wasn't mandatory for them to sell the property. But Ananias and Sapphira wanted to look more generous than they actually were. They wanted to be included with the others who had good motives, pure motives. They wanted people to think they gave it all, but in reality, they were holding back. God knew it. It was hypocrisy, it was deception, and it was greed. We may read this story about Ananias and Sapphira and think, isn't this quite a severe punishment? Isn't this harsh? What about mercy? What about grace? What about God being patient with us? And why haven't others been dropping over dead when they tell a lie? If we're honest here, I think this whole church would be empty. (laughs) Good, you're honest. (laughs) Because we've probably all told a lie at least once in our life. I remember the first time I read this story, it really scared me. 
We need to consider that this incident took place early on in the Christian church. And it seems that God moved with great discipline to ensure the purity and the survival of the church. We could be here today because of what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. God's severe judgment against hypocrisy and deception helped to maintain a healthy respect for the power of God. Just imagine what the church would be like today if, if God handled sin that way. And I'm sure it was an effective reminder for the people to stay on the straight and narrow and be obedient to the word of God. Verse 11 said, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The church really took off after this. Believers were being added to the church more and more in increasing numbers. Ananias and Sapphira were used as a striking example of God's judgment. They were self-seeking. They were concerned about impressing people, but not concerned at all about impressing their creator. It seems like they forgot he could see them. But God knew. He knew that they were holding back. And he also knew their hearts were far from him. God is always concerned with the condition of our hearts. We can justify just about anything, can't we? But God sees all. Proverbs 21.2 tells us, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. And this isn't only in the area of giving. It is in every area of our life. Our own ways will lead us down a bad path. And we need to line up our actions with the word of God. And I hope that you all can say amen to that. In stark contrast to Ananias and Sapphira, there's a woman in scripture whose heart completely pleased the Lord. Her story is found in Luke 20 and 21. Please read with me, starting in Luke 20, verse 45. While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Now, this scene takes place during the week of the Passover celebration. Jews from near and far would have been pouring into the temple courts with their offerings. And there is a lot of people here. There's a lot of activity going on here. In the midst of all of this, Jesus is teaching his disciples. At this point in scripture, Jesus doesn't have much time left with them. He's in Jerusalem teaching in the temple every day. And the walk to the cross is just days ahead of him. He's soon to be crucified. And he has very little time left to pour into his disciples. And he uses every opportunity to teach them the important things of God. Just before Jesus points out the poor widow who put the two very small coins into the temple treasury, he points out the hypocritical teachers of the law, these who sought praise, attention, and recognition of men, but not of God. Everything they did was for outward appearance. They wanted to appear holy and righteous, yet 
they were greedy, selfish, self-indulgent people. Over and over in Scripture, Jesus called them hypocrites. By definition, pretender, liar, deceiver, someone who pretends to possess morals and values that they don't have. In Matthew 15, 8, Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Again, God is always concerned with the condition of our hearts. So while Jesus is warning his disciples about people with this kind of heart, he intentionally points out the poor widow, the one who put two very small coins into the temple treasury. The word coin is translated from the Greek word lepta. The lepta was the smallest Jewish currency available. So this is a very, very small amount of money. But to the woman, it was an immense sacrifice. And to Jesus, she gave more than all the rich. The rich gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. Among the rich and the teachers of the law who craved to be noticed, this humble woman would have been unnoticed in a crowd like this. And the sound of her two tiny coins dropping into that offering receptacle really couldn't compare to the clattering of the many coins of the rich. But Jesus has an all-knowing eye, and he took exact inventory of what this woman gave. He knew everything about her, like he knows everything about us. And in his eyes, her gift was truly magnificent because it was given out of a heart of worship and love for her God. Can you imagine how it must have warmed his heart as he was just days away from giving his life on a cross. This woman who was so poor in the eyes of men was so rich in the kingdom of God because she found favor in his eyes. And there is no greater wealth than finding favor in the eyes of our Lord. When I think about this woman, I'm reminded of a very precious woman in our church. I have learned so much through her example, and I know many of us have, and her name is Sophia Carroll. She gave me permission to talk about her today and use her name. So I want you to know that because I wouldn't be doing that if she didn't, okay? <laughs> Sophia had uh, lost her husband. She became a widow in 2010. And a couple years later, she wasn't feeling well. And she learned that she had a rare cancer that she actually needed a donor for. The treatment involved chemo and other things, and she couldn't be around people for quite a long time. And I know many of you in this church prayed for her and remember this. Because she was losing hair, some of the ladies from our church made her some really pretty hats, and that was one of our Stitch Chicks groups. So Pat and I went to deliver these hats, but we couldn't uh, be near her because she couldn't be near people. And, I'll, and so she left the door open for us, and I'll never, ever forget that visit. As we walked into her humble, sweet trailer, we saw her sitting on the sofa across the room. And I hadn't seen her for a while. She had lost her hair, and she was frail, and she had lost a lot of weight. And I really hardly recognized her. Sorry. <laughs> Even uh, though we couldn't come near her, we had a beautiful visit. We spent time talking across the room, praying, and we had a time of praising the Lord with her. And I just remember hearing her praising him. And I was so touched by her tangible, unwavering 
love for the Lord despite her situation. No complaining, no self-pity, just thanking him, praising him for who he is. We said our goodbyes. Remember blowing a kiss to her across the room. No hugs. I love that I can hug her now. (laughs) And just before we left, through her very weak voice, she says, oh, wait, I want you to take my tithe back to the church. She already had an envelope waiting for us. And she did get up, and she handed that envelope to me. I was so humbled and so overwhelmed by her faithfulness and her love for her Lord. When we got into the car, I just cried. And I just asked the Lord, bless her, please bless her. That was about six years ago, or she'll, she'll correct me if I'm wrong later, but something about that. Just the other day when I asked Sophia if I could share this, she said, oh yes, anything you want. And she reiterated to me that tithing is worship to the Lord. And then she said, and I know where my blessings come from. Just like that. (laughs) And she has been blessed according to his riches in glory. Not only was she cured of the cancer, all her needs were met, and she has so many God stories of what happened through that time. You'd have to hear them from her. But God was just showing himself to her over and over. But a few years ago, she stepped up to run the widow's ministry in our church. And God has been using her big time. She is truly blessed in his kingdom. And she is bringing hope to others. And she is rich in the eyes of Jesus. His blessings come in many, many ways. In the book of Malachi, God sternly reminds his people of the blessings of tithing. Let's read what God said to the nation of Israel in Malachi 3, 7 through 10. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I don't know about you, but I would love to see God open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing upon this church. That would mean souls being saved, souls being discipled, and souls being part of the family of God forever. Dear church, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing here? It takes all of us. This life is short, and we can't take any material thing with us, but people sure do live like they can. Only the things that we do for the kingdom of God will last forever. And that is a stark reality. Read the word of God. 
rich in the eyes of the world is so different than being rich in the eyes of Jesus. And there is no greater wealth than finding favor in his eyes. If we gave him everything that we have, it couldn't compare to the, what he gave to each one of us because he gave us his life that we could have eternal life with him forever and ever. Giving back to him, it is a condition of the heart and it is between us and our creator. He knows our priorities. He knows where our heart is. But you know what I love? I love how he gives us permission to test him in this area of giving. He knows us. He knows our weakness. He knows. There's so many scriptures about money in the Bible because it can be a real struggle for us, can't it? We need to trust him. We are not to give out of compulsion or obligation as we heard. We are to give out of love for him, out of obedience and out of appreciation for what he has done for each one of us. Has he done anything for you? Has he? Are you looking forward to eternal life with him? He gives us an opportunity to partake in what he's doing in the kingdom of God. And he wants to use all of us for those hurting souls out there. We all have an opportunity to take part. We all have that opportunity to be part of a soul that is lost and comes in to the fold and is discipled. That is a great opportunity. You can't find any investment in this world that could compare to that, can you? It's storing treasures in heaven. If you're having a hard time surrendering this area to the Lord, I get that. I was there. Let the Lord speak to your heart. Let him show you that you can trust him. We're going to take a couple minutes of just personal prayer time. If you are already a faithful giver, God knows it, and you are really helping a lot what's going on in this church. And if that's you, please take this time to pray for our church because we need prayer. But if this is an area that you have not yet settled in your heart, I just wanna encourage you, take some time Talk to the Lord about it and let him speak to your heart today. So we're going to take a couple minutes at this time right in your seat. This is between you and God. Rejoice, he wraps himself in light. 
darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice how great is our God sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great how great is our God, thank you, Lord, for the many hearts here. God, thank you for the many, many faithful, faithful. Lord, you are ever faithful. You have been, you will be. God, if we're struggling with that, Lord, I just pray for your help. I pray, God, that you would even do for any here that might need that encouragement, an encouragement like Joe received, an encouragement like Julie and I received years ago. You're watching. You see our hearts. Blessed, Lord, bless any who are struggling, God. Help them to see they can trust you. You're faithful. We can't ever give beyond what you'd give in blessing. We praise you. We thank you. We honor you. We love you. Oh, Lord, we know you see our hearts. That woman, Lord, that woman, but Jesus, but Jesus, he saw, he knows. God bless. Bless everyone in this room, Lord. As any who are committing to you, God, their struggle, help them to overcome, God, to just walk with you and be with you in faithfulness. We trust you, God. We trust that you will bring, you will bring about that tangible result in their life. Lord, we look forward to you blessing. God, we do pray for this local church and every local church. You'd open up the, the windows of heaven, pour out hearts and souls into this church that need the soul-saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us, God, to affect that and all that we do. Lord, we need every person here. We need every gift. We need every talent, and we need resources. God, move on hearts, Lord, to just be in that worshipful attitude. To bring it to you into your house. We trust you, we love you, we praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to close a little differently than we do on the second Sunday of the month. We often have these altars open for healing prayer, but if you need prayer afterwards, you can just come. We have elders that will pray over you and anoint you with oil. We'd be happy to do that. We, um, we also just want to say if, you, if God's working on you and your heart and maybe even haven't even you've never made a gift to the church, if you need uh, 
a tithe number because we send statements at the end of the year. You can do that. As you, as you leave, just stop at either of the welcome desks and we'll get, you, we'll get your uh, profile set up. And, and that's, again, it's all between uh, you and the Lord, but if God's working on you today, do that. Do that. We'd love to see it. And I want to invite you to stand. Let's, let's go out of here with a, on a high note. God is great. Let's sing how great is our God. And then we're going to pray a prayer of blessing over you as you go. But let's just take a minute. We're not in a rush. Just say, God, how great you are. And let's, let's even praise him, worship him, honor him. Tell him how much you love him. He's given you salvation. And age to age, he stands. And time is in his hands. Beginning and the end. Beginning and the end. The Godhead, three in one. Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? And all will see how great. Because we know that you see way beyond what man sees. Amen. You see our heart. 
Lord, put that heart of love for you in us, Lord God. Lord, you know our struggles, and Lord, we need your strength. Help us. Lord, I pray blessing over your people. Lord, for every need in every life, Lord, you are able. And Lord, I pray that each would have peace in their hearts today for whatever they're going through in their lives. Lord, that they would look to you for their all in all, knowing that the trials of life are temporary. Lord, whatever we have, good or bad in this life, it's temporary because we're heaven bound. Because of Jesus Christ, may we live for Jesus all the days of our life. And Lord, may we store that treasure in heaven for you. Bless your people as they leave today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 amen.